0: This is the Sound Factory podcast from Sound Factory Productions. Doing it wrong, but doing it anyway.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Sound Factory podcast, the podcast about sound, music, creativity, and collaboration. We're your hosts, Steve Kilpatrick, AKA Sound Factory. And Oniko Toth, a.k.a. Coco Vocals.
0: Hi, everyone. We are so excited today to have the amazing Chandra Free. Chandra Free is an artist and creator best known for her own humorous, dark graphic novel series, The God Machine, and has worked on comic projects such as Fraggle Rock, John Carpenter's Tales for a Halloween Night, the graphic canon and Mice Templar. Yes, you did hear right. It is Mice Templar. You'll have to tell us about that in a minute. (laughs) In addition to her comics work, she is a character designer, storyboard artist and co-owner of her own comic company, Machina Corpse. We are so excited to have you, Chandra.
1: Hi, Chandra. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So that's a pretty pretty in-depth description of some of your projects, but how would you describe what you do to somebody who doesn't know your work?
2: So I'm largely a comics creator. My style is pretty uh, vivid in color and sometimes my figures are elongated and I'm just, like, playing with all sorts of things like abstractions and, like, cartooniness and, like, some influences of anime, like... All these things are like boiled together to form my style. And sometimes I, I collaborate with other people and uh, change it up for whatever the project calls for. Some people compare me to Tim Burton, but that's an awful comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that awful? <laughs> uh, I don't exactly like his drawings very much.
0: Don't sugarcoat it, Chandra.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I th-
0: Tell us what you really think.
2: (laughs) I I think they're a little crude, uh, Uh but I mean, like, there's a charm to his drawings, too. But I feel that my stuff is more rendered, more complete. But I think because I fall under sometimes the Gothic umbrella, that people want to compare something that is... Easy pop culture reference, and Tim Burton is always the comparison, right there. So I understand it. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. It is always an awful moment when uh, you get the comparison to somebody you don't really. Yeah. Feel. I've had that myself with, with sometimes
2: with the music, and you go. Ah. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, Thanks. Oh, right. It's like you you're you, you want to like, because that person either identifies with that music or they like really like it or they like Tim Burton or whatever. And you're trying to be like, uh but I don't really like this person as much. <laughs> or, you know, I'll say this about Tim Burton. I love early Tim Burton 80s and 90s movies mm-hmm. quite a bit. His newer stuff um, is not my favorite at all so he lost his soul but you know what he's making money and i can't fault the man for that so (laughs) like (laughs) he's living the dream so you know yeah good for him (laughs)
1: yeah i wondered what it is that people compare because you you have a very um i want to say sort of baroque style almost to the to your line and things like that is it that aspect that people Maybe identify?
2: I think it's the elongated figures. Ah, that makes sense. Maybe sometimes the magical colors that sometimes show up in his stuff also mirrors in mine as well. But I think mine's more vibrant, to be honest. It's certainly
0: colorful. I'm just looking at some of your stuff. So I want to know, like, what is mice Templar?
2: (laughs) Okay, <laughs> so I did some alternate coloring on the covers, the last push of Mice Templar and, like, the final uh, cover, and that was such a wonderful experience because I, I just did colors for Victor Santos's line art. Every so often I get to play in other people's worlds, and that's always interesting to color someone else's lines. Like, I did that for... Uh, Drew Roush's book, Solon Grey, I get to put my own style and twist into like their worlds. It's, it's a different kind of collaboration than, say, uh, writer and artist collaboration. It's, it's fun. And, you know, I, I, I love playing with colours quite a bit. As you mentioned the
1: uh, writer collaboration, how we sort of crossed paths was your work with Mike Sizemore for Tales for a Halloween Night and the story cast. Could you tell me a little bit about that collaboration?
2: So that was a, that was really fun. Uh, like I met Mike at one of the conventions, New York Comic Con, I think, or. Was it San Diego? I, I can't tell anymore. It's been a million <laughs> years anyways, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember having a conversation with Mike about, like, the lead protagonist. She was just a regular, like, white girl. And I'm like, why do we have to have, like, a white girl? Like, why is it always got to be white? You know, it's like I, I wanted to have, like, this punk rock black girl to just kind of like give it a different feel and give it a different kind of thing. And he was so accepting. And so was Sandy King, the producer and director of Storm King comics. They loved the idea and like just giving me some freedom to just kind of inject a little bit more like inclusivity into the book well the the short story mm-hmm. you know I feel like it's important and I'm trying to incorporate this more into as I go forward in my own projects inclusivity and like including like more diverse casts, so people have something to look at that resembles themselves you know where mm-hmm. it's not always like that so I found that important and that collaboration with Mike that he was just like oh yeah that's great great idea but. The- No problem. And it's Mm -hmm. like, cool. Those little tiny things mean the world to me when your collaborator is so responsive to your own uh, ideas and are on board with the same ideals. I hadn't worked with a writer in a while, and it was just, oh, mm, oh, I got to do my favorite thing, which is uh, do teenagers and uh, bloody gore.
0: (laughs) 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 brilliant
1: <laughs> yeah cuz it's quite a lovely contrast you have your style is um it, it's very different to anybody else in that that collection a sort of a grimier look to a lot of the pieces and you use is very vibrant and colorful and um on on the one hand almost looks innocent and then you get into some serious gore
2: yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and I mean, I love playing around with those types of uh, things. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's just this cute stylized comic. And then all of a sudden it hits you with like a decapitation and blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's so much fun um, to play with that and play in that kind of world. And like uh, everybody else in the book did more of a realism, right? Mm. And I like being the oddball of the group, (laughs) you know, because you get to be more expressive, I think, when you have a more stylized style, stylized style, you know. (laughs) Can I I just interject in here?
0: I just, um, just for people who are listening, if I may describe your look in a little way, Chandra is wearing vibrantly bright red glasses and her hair is vibrantly bright, bluey red and she's wearing a Spellman Mortuary shirt that says funerals, burials, and rites. Rites. Uh, so she's, she walks the walk as well as talks the talks and, and draws the drawings. Yeah. <laughs> if you will, draws the drawings. It's so much fun that you get to play with that in your own look as well.
2: Yeah, um, usually I'm dolled up for these types of things. I'm a little lo-fi today. Mm-hmm. I love playing with makeup and uh, things like that. Like, uh, in my older age, like, makeup's fun and, like, colorful and expressive. And I'm drawing big eyebrows, kind of a drag look, sort to speak. Like, you know, like, amplify everything. Of course, like, it's kind of like my goth roots, too, you know? Like, I'm pulling from that and I'm pulling from, like, just oh, I I do walk the walk. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I love actually. And I was thinking about this. The eye makeup on a lot of your characters as well, and also in the photographs I've seen of you. I was in a um, band for I don't know about five years. It was very busy in the goth the goth scene in the UK, and um, straight away I recognise that that sort of style.
2: It takes time. I bet so I,
1: I don't even <laughs> comb my hair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> makeup takes a long time but it's like it's like an art it really mm. is because it's not easy yeah. i i i'm still trying to master mm. it after like all these years like about 20 years of doing makeup for myself like out of high school i finally started doing makeup and like okay i kind of know what i'm doing it's like no i had no idea what i was doing and i, and I still don't mm. <laughs> so <laughs> But it's interesting to, th- to think that you you're kind of
0: uh, walk around like you're uh, like yeah. a walking work of art, a three D yeah. work of art that is that's kind of mirrored in your in
2: yeah. Your art and as well. something like uh, I don't know if anybody like uh, is also a comic artist and they go to convent well used to go to conventions and we'll go to conventions in the future <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> One of the things that I always uh, like to do was stand out from the crowd. And, like, be my own person. And, like, when I talk to those publishers that might be publishing me in the future, I want to make an impression. So I always have, like, my uniform, Mm -hmm. which is always, like, something elevated. um, And, like, my makeup done. And, like, my hair done. And, like, all these things. All these elements. I wanted to make an impression. I wanted to almost be a brand. And I I, kind of am a brand. So you can associate... Me and my artwork were very much the same thing in a lot of ways. So, you know, when you say walk the walk kind of thing, like, yeah, I'm I'm doing it. I'm, you know, I, I do it in my art. I do mm. it in my daily. So even when I'm not going out.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so intertwined with that, that music scene. I mean, we were endorsed by, I don't know if this is a, this is a UK brand, but we were endorsed by Ilomastro. Oh, it was okay. ironic because I'm terrible. I, I'd never done makeup before. I, I was in this band. And oh, my Lord. I had to, the drummer had to put it on me every, every show. Damn. He was excellent no. at makeup, but I was terrible. I did it myself yeah. once and he was like, oh, come here. Let me do this for you. <laughs> From your art, I'm, I'm imagining you a much more modern Member of the goth scene.
2: My goth days um were in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big industrial uh you know synth pop kind of stuff. Your covenant, your uh iris, uh your uh born benton, and you know, like a pop, to, a pop elliptic Berserk. Yeah, there we go. I think I said that right. <laughs> and so, like, I used to actually go to the golf clubs, and I'd go dancing, and um, in Orlando, Florida, of all places, which we had oh. the best, best uh, scene. Which sounds ludicrous, but it's true. It does. <laughs> it must have been hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's why you just don't wear as much clothing. <laughs> <laughs> But pound on the makeup, right? Right. Yeah, uh, we'd go and see people like VNV Nation and And One, and like we we'd just, you know, we'd uh, participate in that. Uh, Assemblage 23 uh, would come to town, Wolfsheim. These bands, like, it, it's not the traditional goth of the 80s, obviously. Mm though so I I'm not opposed to that music either because mm. I love I love my roots pretty much you know even in my uh, book The God Machine I pay tribute to some of those bands like Bauhaus and Susie and the Banshees mm. and you know uh, all sorts of stuff going on like I, music just flows through me and is like I ha like I, I miss dancing so much oh, um, I hear you I hear you on that one I'm I, I miss it so much I moved from. Orlando to New York City and you'd be surprised but the scene isn't as good up there because oh, wow. I guess everybody, everybody's a happy goth because they've got everything they want <laughs> <laughs> when you're in Orlando, Florida, you're grumpy and of course you're <laughs> more uh, you know, drenched in that darkness and whatnot because everything's bright and sunny and awful mm. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's so strange. Like, uh, they were more interested in the older uh, scene music, and um, which was great. And I also loved going out to that type of stuff. But uh, it, I severely missed, like, new bands and stuff like that. And I don't even know if, like, things are just, like, melting away to newer music. But the industrial scene seems very um, uh, holding on. Uh, by a thread mm. in some ways, yeah. and I'm I tried to discover uh, some new bands. Like Cold Cave is bringing back a more uh, older school uh, sound, mm. and it's like oh, this could have been made in the you know 80s, but now it's music from now, and it's mm. like very gorgeous stuff.
1: Go on, if we have if we push you to it. Tell us what your favorite band is.
2: Depeche Mode, hands down. All I love right. them, and they're still making music, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you li- do
0: you listen to it a lot when you're uh, when you're creating your art? Is that something that is really important
2: to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, music just powers my art c- completely. It depends on where I'm at mentally, like what I want to listen to, because I can like sometimes i'm lazy and i'll go to youtube and i'll put on those chill hop things with the raccoon or the girl playing you know doing her homework like Mm -hmm. that's great background music if i'm really concentrating however if i'm like getting into like a comic page i need something that's driving and emotional and whatnot like i just need something that i can just like 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 a cat is solar powered, you know, They like hang out in windows and they get their energy from (laughs) the sun. (laughs) I'm very much the same way, like put those headphones on me and I am music powered. And things like um, Mr. Kitty is a fun little band. He does kind of this, um, I wouldn't say dark wave, but I guess... Uh, it's kind of those old-school sensibilities with new school and witch-house music and, like, oh, my God, I love witch-house. I, I didn't think I was going to because, like, oh, no, yet another genre. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I think I, you've I, caught me there. Can you
2: tell us a bit about witch-house? Yeah, I, I've
0: never heard of that. <laughs> <I'm sorry.
2: laughs> okay, so it's it's kind of like house music, but it's kind of dark and brooding. It, it's a lot of uh, synth Uh, music and sometimes the vocals are a little howling a little screechy sometimes not always Mm because sometimes it can be very melodic and whatnot but Mr. Kitty is probably a very good example of that because Mr. Kitty uh like transforms I think uh uh, his pronouns are he, him, his. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he goes from a masculine, uh, like melodic uh, singing voice to this high-pitched woman-esque voice, mm. and it's really interesting. This just this dichotomy of sexes going into like this band that's essentially one person. Witch House is definitely um, something if if you like goth synth. And house music, like I think that's a it's a good blend of these things. Mm. Nice. Sidewalks and Skeletons is another band from in the Witch House group. But uh, for Mr. Kitty, he's uh, he's just interesting. Um, One of his songs, uh, After Dark. I was just obsessed with, and I drew this picture, uh, one of my favorite illustrations I've done, and I just had that one song on loop. I felt like I was possessed. I don't believe in possession, but you know, in order to describe something, I was possessed by the music to just like listen to that song and just be enriched in that emotion and pour it all into this piece of artwork I was working on. And I, I felt like I was going insane, but it was also like such a wonderful process too. And it's only happened a couple of times where I'll just like play things over and over again. Like Gary mm-hmm. Newman's um hybrid C D Disc number two. <laughs> I listened mm-hmm. to all the those songs which are like, you know, callbacks to uh Tubeway Army, mm-hmm. only they're more modernized, you know, our friends electric and um cars and uh me he made them into like these synthy kind of dirty electronic almost rock ballads and i was just like possessed with that and i was just (laughs) like oh draw 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 i must draw to this it's like oh love 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 it when music hits just right and you just evokes emotion and it's it's like you're just like overflowing with the music and the art at the same time. Sounds
0: like you go into like a, I, I get this when I'm dancing, I you get this sense of being kind of in a trance. Yeah. You're sort of in in like a zone and you're sort of like in an elevated state and right. things kind of flow through you and then it just, it makes things really quite easy.
2: Absolutely.
1: Do you ever get to the end of a page and you've not really been conscious of doing it and then do a little punch in the air at the end
2: (laughs) I uh, I wish Uh, (laughs) sometimes like uh, with just like comic pages it's like it's um, a little bit difficult because it's a lot of thinking except I did do a couple of really interesting pages that did take me by surprise like oh this is so good this is why I do comics and then other times it's like oh my god why do I do comics Uh, (laughs) it's a very conscious effort of like when you're making a comic page and you've put all this work in and but you're like oh my god thank you i'm so glad that i finished it now i can go to the next and oh the next and the next and the next and it's it's a lot of work it's it's hard work
0: Does it feel a little bit like you're birthing something at every moment, (laughs) like a vocation, like you're drawn to do it, you have to do it, but it's also like takes so much out of you?
2: So I I teeter on this a lot because it's like I have a story that I want to tell, mainly The God Machine, and that's my big thing. Um, I'm compelled to tell my story. It's a story that I've held on to for too many years since I was 19 years old I need to tell the story I need to reach these I need to reach people and tell them this and I need to show them this I need I need to do these things and then there's other times like oh I love doing comics with other people as long as it's short and sweet because it's a lot of work mm. and at that point I'm doing something for somebody else then it becomes like oh will they see this detail and call me out on this or whatever like that's a little bit of the downside of collaborating Mm -hmm. but I've never had that problem like I just recently did a a line art which is just the line art no coloring no Mm -hmm. no anything else just my lines and I was like you know me and the writer uh, were going really well Together, and he's like, "Oh, could you do this little thing?" It's like no big deal, you know. It was like, "Oh, I must produce the best page," and like I keep on going further and further. Like must produce the best work I've ever done. And then <laughs> at some point, you're like, "I'm broken. I don't know if I'm doing the best I can do." <laughs> The first graphic novel I did, uh, the God Machine, by myself. Like I was crying sometimes because there's deadlines and there's like you know you you push yourself every single day to do these things and it literally hurts. It's emotional and it drains and that's why sometimes I'm like, why did I choose comics? And then I remember I want to tell stories. I want to mm. show my art. I want to touch other people's lives. And I've actually done so. Uh, that first graphic novel, like, I've had people come over to me and tell me, like, you got me through, like, my wife's cancer and her death. Like, those first words in your pages, like, moved me to tears. Like, you, you got me. You understood. And this other person um, uh, was in a car accident, lost their teeth, lost their friends. Their life was just destroyed. And they discovered my book at the Barnes & Noble here in the States. And they would read a little bit of it every time they'd go in there. And then they'd read a little bit and they'd read a little bit. And it got them through their depression and their sadness and probably like maybe suicide, you know, Mm. like they didn't do it. It got them through it. And they finally got to purchase the book directly from me. And they were like, giddy and they were crying and it was just uh, such an emotional moment and I like had to fight back tears and then this other girl told me that you know she and her fiance used to read the book together they loved it and then he died I don't know how but she reads it to his grave I was so moved I, I actually really cried and we like hugged each other um when you make an impact it motivates it propels you forward to like create and you know be an inspiration or be that voice that like yeah i understand what you're going through Hmm. here's my story and let's have a fantastical like journey through everything and like Did I entertain you? Did I get you through something? You know, like something to that effect. Like, that's what motivates me on another level. Because if it weren't for that, and if it weren't for the fact that I have a story to tell, I, I, it's like, this is bonkers. What the, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Like, like comics make no sense because they don't pay well. They, you know, they, time involved and you know it's a labor of love and like every time someone asked me like so what do i need to know about going into comics and i always tell them don't do it unless you love this because that's the only way you're going to be rewarded it, comics will break your heart as uh jack kirby said it will it'll break you it'll hurt you and it's that love that will keep you in it or stupidity or both, you know. <laughs> Sounds a lot like courage to me as well,
0: you know, that you have to kind of forge ahead and, and just follow your heart because it's 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 the thing that draws you and, and that you have to break through all these self-doubts. I mean, we always talk about how artists have all these imposter syndrome, like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. am, am I good enough? And, you know, and, and you still have to break through it and 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 to continue your art and do it we, wrong but do it anyway yeah we have it we have a motto do it wrong but do it anyway <laughs> you know, yeah kind of frees you a, up.
2: that's not a bad motto that's really good um because the imposter syndrome is real it mm. totally is and like if you have that kind of mantra like just you know just fucking do it yeah you know you you love it you'll get better no matter what You know, as long as you're open to growing and changing and, you know, the little bit of hurt that goes in with learning things. But like if as long as you're open to that and you're okay with what might seem like a failure to you, but could be a success to everybody else around you, Mm. you're going to do fine, you know, because you can't give up. You can't let algorithms online, you know, play with your head like you're not getting enough likes, you're not getting this, you're not, you know, or you're not getting enough praise or you look at somebody else and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't do it as good as them. Yeah. But the thing is, you have your own unique voice, your own unique vision. We're all sharing similar traits within the art world and we all do similar things. But sometimes it's the way you do it that's different from other people. Yeah. It's just like, you know, people who covet their movie ideas or their comic ideas or whatever. Like, I can't let anybody know about this. Well, you know, there's a hundred other people that have come up with the same idea as <laughs> yeah. you, but it's how you do it that's yeah. going to be the difference. Yeah. Your idea isn't all that special, but you possibly are
1: i'd like to ask if you could elaborate a little and and tell us a little bit more about the god machine
2: so my elevator pitch is and by the way anybody that's aspiring to be a a person at conventions selling your book always have a pitch 30 seconds or something to that effect just tell them what it is anyways Enough of the soapbox. Let's get going. All right. So The God Machine is a story about a young man named Guy Salvador, who is going through a really difficult time in his life. His girlfriend just recently died, and now he's starting to see monsters and things, and he's questioning what's real and what's not. And until one night, a mysterious man comes to him and tells him that his girlfriend is floating in and out of dream worlds and is actually alive. So now... It's up to Guy to go and save her. But gods are in the way. And is this actually happening? Is in the way? Like, it's a toured little tale of an angsty teen who just doesn't have it all together. It's depression. It's, like, it's the surreal. It's the unusual. Like, they're freaking monsters. Is Mm -hmm. he going crazy or is he not, you know? And the story I wanted to tell is that something that touched me personally, which was uh, my depression. I didn't exactly lose somebody, but every day it felt like a funeral, like something was missing. And I wanted to convey, you know, stages of grief within Guy's story. And I wanted to play in a horror realm of you know, monsters and, you know, disturbing imagery and whatnot, because it's all part of it in a way. But then there's that promise that things are going to get better. It's an ongoing story, and I'm relaunching the book come uh, March, and it's going to be a Kickstarter to reprint the uh, out-of-print edition of The God Machine, but make it better. I'm pretty much like I've rewrote... The entire book to accommodate for today's language because it's very 2000s and, you know, 2000s was about shock, humor and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm adding a little bit more grounding and more characterization because I've grown as a storyteller. I've changed and I've got... A better way of saying things now and uh, it's all reflected right there and um, I have uh, more pages extended scenes and corrected artwork and like I'm, I'm correcting all the little things that you know young 20-something Chan did and I'm trying to make it much better and more in tune with the second book that will happen afterwards. It's just a matter of relaunching the series because it's been a decade since it's been printed. It's not all doom and gloom. There's like humor and funniness within this. There's the gods, good god and evil god, and their little familiars, uh, angel kitty and devil kitty that are like all populating this world. And also sometimes the monsters are kind of silly too. So it's it's light and dark put together. Lots of goth kids too and lots of goth fashion and whatnot, but I would like to think that it's a little bit more universal but also niche as well. So
0: Sounds like it's really important deals with really important topics.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. really exciting
0: in terms of being able to read something new and
2: renewed. Renewed, yeah, yes. Renewed, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I've renamed the book, it's The God Machine um, Revision. It's just a good way of like reintroducing it. Um, it. It is volume one still, but it's like revision. There's some revisions going on here. <laughs> That's fascinating.
0: <laughs>
2: is,
1: there, is there anything that people should be looking out for in particular with the Kickstarter?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, so as of this uh, recording, it will be launching on March 9th thegodmachine.org will be the launching place to take you to that Kickstarter page. We need all the help we can get to make it happen uh, from Bothering your friends to, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your family members to the internet and whatnot. Like, we need your help getting the word out so we can make this book happen. And we also have this really awesome Kickstarter video that we've been working on. It should be an awesome video. Uh, We have Venture Brothers' own James Urbaniak voicing one of the kitties. And we have Toonami's uh, Dana Swanson voicing Angel Kitty. I was so worried because I'm also in the video. (laughs) I've got, I've got these two like extremely good voice actors who are like charismatic and so good at what they do. And then here I am (laughs) 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 talking about my vision. And it's like, I I think I kind of hold my own. So that's always nice. But You know, I have some crossover appeal with uh, Venture Brothers fans because I used to do a lot of Venture Brothers artwork and uh, my favorite show, and I'm friends with the creators of the show, which actually Doc Hammer, one of the co-creators, wrote the Ford for the original God Machine. I'm bringing back that Ford again because it's so good. Just, you know, it's very monumental in a lot of ways. And so, like... There's some crossover appeal and you know, I was like, I got James Urbaniak. That that's my buddy. He's yeah. like, you know, it, it's like having Dr. Venture like voice one the kitties pretty much. And it, it literally is that. And I'm I'm excited to share. And uh my uh partner slash boyfriend, slash uh co-owner of Machina Corpse is animating it, Stephen Emond. I'm doing all the assets for him so he can like put it all together.
1: People who've never been involved in a Kickstarter probably don't realize just how much investment and how much work is involved.
2: Yeah. It's been months and months and months and, you know, planning a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. is not fun. <laughs> it's like a full-time job. Yeah. We're getting uh, Taylor Esposito, we're getting him to re-letter a book. So we're having another level of polish onto it. Uh, Phil Balsman did the logo uh, Uh, for us brand new logo we did get that ahead of time because it looks good with the campaign and whatnot so that did come out of our pockets but it looks so good it's uh, it's like (laughs) it's an investment isn't it it really is and like and it's all about that polish and like repackaging and all that it it literally is an investment
1: i think it goes without saying that would be one of your personal recommendations for today But
2: absolutely,
1: (laughs) and mine too. But do you have any recommendations that you really feel people listening should just run out and um, read, listen to?
2: Absolutely. So, if you're a music fan and you love emo culture, I know it's a little bit of a throwback right there. my partner, Mr. Steve Imond, has his own book, Emo Boy from the 2000s, up on Webtoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find his new surreal comic, uh, Have Heart, at haveheartcomic.com, Or you can find them on Webtoons or Tapas. That's a fun little comic. There was something else. You can always find me at Spooky Chan almost anywhere online. That's always good. (laughs) And some music recommendations. If you like alternative 80s into the very uh, early 90s music. There's Sunday Night Vinyl, which is out of Orlando, but you can find it online. That's uh, DJed by Eric Dennison, and that's an old program that's now found new life online. There's this wonderful app called Radio, and that I don't know how many O's, but it's like (laughs) radio.com. And if you want to listen to music from almost any decade in any part of the world, mm-hmm. you can like select that country, like Japan, and like choose the '30s, and you can listen to Japanese music in the '30s, and it's the coolest thing ever, 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 ever. I love it so much because <laughs> it's like I am such a nerd for music. Like you know, we didn't get into it by I me. Mean, like I grew up with music in my household. I mean, my first concert was Paul McCartney when I was in the second grade. Nice. And that was with Linda, you know, like that kind of thing. And I've seen B-52s and blah, 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 all sorts of things. But music has always been a part of my life uh, from classical to, you know, oldies at that uh, time when I was younger to 80s to now, I'm like still discovering new things. But like radio radio (laughs) it's (laughs) like like one of those great little places to start discovering other music and it's like it's powered by people um and contributing those decade type things and just forming a community there um i I love it so uh those are my big recommendations at the moment
1: we'll link as many of those as we can we know we can find you at
2: bookiechan.com is my Normal hub. You're also on Twitter. I've seen. I'm. A, I am definitely on Twitter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you share some of your art on Instagram as well, don't you?
2: That I do. Um, my Instagram is a little bit mixed of like life and art together. I'm going to be releasing some covers of some uh, some album covers that I was just recently commissioned for an Italian band. Oh, nice. um, I would try to say their name, but I would totally screw it up. <laughs> but. <laughs> But I did uh, some cover artwork for uh, Miss FD. And yeah, oh my goodness. Oh, thank you so much for this. (laughs) Thank you so much. So much fun to have you. Thank you for sharing. Very inspiring.
1: Loved hearing about your story. And best of luck with the Kickstarter.
2: Oh, thank you. And oh, I would be remiss to say uh, my comic book company at Machina Corpse and machinacorpse.com. Please check us out. And also at The God Machine, on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Okay, and uh, do you have anything else you want to plug?
2: Oh, yes, I have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash spookychan. And uh, I do a lot of behind-the-scenes God Machine stuff there.
1: Oh, awesome, cool.
2: I love watching stuff like that.
1: Well, we'll go through and we'll link as many of those as we can. Thank you. Where can we find you, Monica?
0: I'm at cocovocals.com and at, at Coco Vocals on Twitter.
1: I'm at Sound Factory and soundfactoryproductions.com. Thanks again to Chandra Free, Spooky Chan and I hope we chat to you again.
0: Great to have bye you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.